Toy Hut. Let's go to Toy Hut, the ultimate Star Wars fan store. Created by collectors for collectors. Go to toyhut.com with two T's and Hut. Toy Hut ships worldwide daily. Custom Jet the Hut shipping boxes are made just for action figures. They know what the adult collector expects. <laughs> toy hut, just toy hut, just toy hut. <laughs> Our official sponsor, Jets Toy Hut. Once again, thanks, hey Jets. Uh, hut to be. <laughs> Uh, you can find them at toyhut.com. That's T O Y H U T T dot com. I want to see the picture of Jet again. Yeah, from the, t- the from, toy from toyhut.com. Or J T H if you're into that whole brevity thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bounty hunter. Look at him. That's not Mandalorian armor. That's not your old man's. That's not your dad's bounty hunter. Uh, if you go to their website, uh, be sure to check out with the code caustic. And save 10% on all your orders. 10% off. Da, 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 da. Super awesome. <laughs> they got more action figures than uh, that Toydarian character on Tatooine. <laughs> than all the Toydarians together. Yeah. And they're named Toydarians for a reason. Yeah, so that's exactly. pretty impressive. Very impressive. Just ask size Snoodles. But, you know, Republic credits d- don't work on ToyHut.com no. either. Only money. They certainly have excellent lightsabers. Look at that. The Yoda Force FX Master Replica Lightsaber. Unopened. Factory sealed. I know. That's nice. And they have boxes that are specifically designed for action figures so that your shipments get there safely. You must go to ToyHut.com. There you will buy a Yoda action figure, the Jedi Master who instructed me. Hate your job and your car? Try Destructo Therapy. I'm Torin Atkinson. What's the deal with the Count of Monte Cristo? He didn't invent the sandwich. What's up with that? I'm Kevin Leeson. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda. Wrath. Part five of our seven-part series on the seven deadly sins. Five. A wrath, old English rad, or possibly rat. What is that? I'm not sure what that symbol means. R-W-A something is literally tormented or twisted. And anger comes from the Latin angere, which means to throttle, torment. I can see uh, throttling be uh, a symptom of wrathful nature. Do you, go, do you know what the fear of anger or of becoming angry is? It's, it's an easy one. Uh, Wrathophobia. Angophobia? No. Angri- ang- no uh, Rageophobia. You had it. It was angrophobia. Angrophobia. Oh, my God. That's what I meant. That's weak. <laughs> Wrath, also known as anger or rage, in its purest form, presents with self-destructiveness, violence, and hate that may provoke feuds that can go on for centuries Anger may persist long after the person who did another a grievous wrong, a grievous wrong, I'm thinking of 
Darth Grievous or whatever his name, <laughs> Commander General Grievous, Grievous. General Grievous yeah. is dead. Feelings of anger can manifest in different ways. Imagine that, including impatience, revenge, and vigilantism. Would you just hurry up? Oh, I'm so mad at you. <laughs> Stop interrupting me. Grr. Dante described vengeance as love of justice perverted to revenge and spite. In its original form, the sin of wrath also encompassed anger pointed internally rather than externally. Thus, suicide was deemed as the ultimate, albeit tragic, expression of a wrath directed inwardly. Oh, wrath against yourself. I never even thought of that. Whenever I think of or that's killing why myself, suicide it's never about being angry. <laughs> suicide is a sin because it's wrath turned inwards. All right. That's interesting. What if you do Doesn't a... really work for me. No. Matt. Dante. But ironically, the whole reason Dante wrote the Divine Comedy was to get revenge against uh, mainly the Pope. And his detractors. Yeah. And I, all, you know, also like minor did the Pope, players. Did the Pope cover up him being fondled when he was a kid? No, the you Pope uh, just uh, exiled him from Rome. No, they, those were back of, in the days when the Popes could actually still get married. Speaking and of things have that make me wrathful. And in Dante's epic poem, uh, Dante reserved a special spot for the Pope. And in the, the poem, St. Peter d- himself denounces the Pope's papacy as a blood-filled sewer. That makes sense. And I just want to say, that's an art form that's kind of fallen by the wayside lately, the epic poem. And the, that, and the literal lambasting? You don't... Well, yeah, I mean, this is taking trash talk to another level when you call somebody else's administration a blood-filled sewer. I mean, yeah. this is more like... You, this is definitely a, a step above yo mama. This quote from Crack.com, I think, Crack.com sums it up. These days, the equivalent would be if Eminem released a 40-track album in which he personally named you and called you a fuckhead in every single song, and it went triple platinum. <laughs> For all intents and purposes. I, I really love Cracked.com and cannot believe how good their site is these days compared to what the Cracked magazine was back in the day. Oh, really? It's so good. Again, I never would have guessed. Some families had to build entire churches to offset the damage Dante had done to their names and businesses. Good for him. Back before you could sue people for slander and libel. In the Inferno, in the fifth circle of hell, mm-hmm. which is the one saved for people who are wrathful, in the swamp-like water of the river Styx, the wrathful fight each other on the surface, and the sullen lie gurgling beneath the water, withdrawn into a black silkiness. Do you guys know what the demon of wrath is? Lay it on me. Guess. I'm going to go with uh, Belial. Satan? Ding, ding, ding. Ah. Slash Ammon, uh, also. Is, that the, is Ammon Satan. another name for Satan? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, my demonology is not what it used to be. <laughs> You know, how are you going to call up your right demon if you are not up to snuff on your demonology? Um, just, you're, just gonna like, you're just going to throw down a pentagram and wing yes. it. You'll take whoever you can get, right? Yeah. Ammon is a Marquis of Hell. He is the seventh of 72 gothic demons who govern over 40 infernal legions. He appears as a wolf with a snake's tail who can breathe fire or as a man with dog's teeth who is situated inside of a raven. Whoa, crazy. Wow, that's nutty. They never like make up something out of whole cloth. It's always just like... A bunch of animals stuck together in weird ways. Yeah, like, he looked like yeah. a wolf with a snake that's tail. What, that's why Lovecraft oh, brought it to a whole new it's level. It's totally yeah. true. Absolutely. <laughs> it's something, they take the best of everything and mash them together. It's like underworld turduckens. Road rage. Well, I, what about the history of rap? Is that it? it? Unless right. you brought something to the table, I don't which think I know people, you did not. People haven't, been, people haven't really been angry much through history. No, yeah, there's, there's not much to talk about there. Uh, you got Brutus and Julius Caesar. Okay, okay. That was a, a wrathful moment. Right? How did that go down? Julius Paint me a picture. On, <laughs> Julius came out on the on the wrong end of that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Brutus was mad at him for trying to take over the Republic, for trying to become a tyrant. So he uh, led a uh, cadre of senators into a stabathon. 
Would you say it was a brutal stabbing? I'm sure many, many people have made that same observation, yes. Are you, are you suggesting that the word brutal etymology is in the name Brutus? Yeah. Is that true? Well, I don't know. Are you just making no. it up as you go along? I'm hoping you would know. Fill your boots. It sounds great. I love it. Just like uh, after the podcast, Joe's going to get Kevin'd. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure what that's going to be yet, but he's going to get it. I think, do you think Brutus was named because he was a brute? Yeah, that's a chicken and egg question. I mean, this is a historical... You're a chicken and the egg question. <laughs> it's a, I think that's what being well, Kevin is all about. You're going to get chicken and egged. <laughs> the term brute has must, must probably come from Brutus because it's a historical fact. Well, Brutus was Brutus, his family name. Yeah, Brutus was actually a person who actually conspired to kill Caesar. So these are, this isn't Robin Hood. These are historical facts, right? I just think it's uh, ironical that Brutus was a brutal guy. He was also a barber. And a beefcake. Oh, I'm thinking of the wrestler. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, can we talk about road rage, please? Okay, yes, sure. <laughs> absolutely. So, okay, I'm flashing back to my childhood. I'm a child. I'm a child of the '80s, and uh, there seemed to be a lot of uh, drive-by shootings, like outside of Los Angeles. Yeah, the term road rage originated in the U.S. during 1987 from newscasters at KTLA TV station in Los Angeles because there was a rash of freeway shootings on several different freeways in L.A. about around that time. Yeah, like Bill Cosby's mm -hmm. kid got killed by a drive-by shooting on yeah. the highway. Complete strangers just shooting each other. Because of road rage. People cutting off and stuff. I'll totally admit, this is one of the things that can actually get me pretty angry. And I, I'm what, driving? Other people driving, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to go with random I get ra all, random killings. No, but uh, Well, uh, duh, but, but no. Innocent people like, being just, gunned down on a highway. I, I, I will make like passive-aggressive remarks. Oh, yeah, that's great. Turn in front of me without signaling. I love it when you do that, you fucking asshole. Joe? They can't hear me at all. I'm not helping. It's an official mental disorder in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual no. of Mental Disorders published by the American Psychiatric Association. I'm a road rageaholic. I'm addicted to road rageahol. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure every single one of us has gotten angry at one point in time or another on the road for something that somebody has done to you. The part that I don't get is the people who get angry and I can't figure out why they're angry. Yeah. I was driving along one time on a one-way street, and there were two lanes, the one-way street and a parking lane, right? Mm -hmm. So two lanes moving in the same direction, and then a parking lane on the left where you parallel park. So there's a spot up on the left, so I pull over to the left lane, and I drive ahead of the spot, so I need to back into it to parallel, just like you know you would do. Yeah. And uh, I put my signal on and put myself in reverse, and this guy behind me just raced right up onto my tail, like, I'd already come to a complete stop and put my reverse lights on. And I look mm -hmm. in my rearview mirror, and I see him from, like, two car lengths back coming full tilt. And he races right up onto my back end. He's, like, six inches off of my rear. Mm -hmm. So I can't back into the spot. Mm -hmm. My signal's on. My reverse lights are on. Mm -hmm. He starts honking, blinking his lights at me, leaning out the window, screaming and shaking his fist. And I'm like, I cannot figure for the life of me what he's so mad about. I'm trying to park. Right? Especially because there's two lanes, right? Like, go around. Exactly. There's a completely open lane to the right that he could go around me. And he, he even pulls the class, the classy act of he leans on his horn and holds it. Right. Yeah. I'm not even joking. For no less than 30 seconds. Awesome. Yeah. Incessant, nonstop beep. And then he gets out of his car and he's this tiny Asian dude, maybe 120 pounds. He's a scrawny little dude. And he is screaming at me. His face is purple he is so enraged right he's like outside my window <laughs> and my windows rolled down i'm looking up at him and i'm 
I'm not even reacting because I can't for the life of me figure out <laughs> what he's so mad about. Yeah. I'm just like, dude, I'm trying to park. Just drive around me. And he is screaming, like screaming at the top of his lungs. And he gets so wound up and so mad, he takes his two tiny little fists <laughs> and he actually pounds on the hood of my car. Like just once. Oh. And goes, ah, rah, 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 slam on the hood of my car. I went, All right, well, that's it. I got to get out of the car now. Yeah. So I pop open the door, put my foot down, and before my foot even touches the ground to get out of the car, I hear this like slam and and he's, I realized that he ran back to his car <laughs> before he even had a chance to put one foot down. He sprinted back to his car, jumped in and peeled off around me to the right and then just tore off down the road. And this whole thing took like three or four minutes of him just being insanely enraged. And wow. to this day, I cannot for the life of me understand. I think he was secretly in love with you. I'm Could be. I think baffled. it was more. This, this story needs to go on the lust episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, accidentally you cut people off. I've cut people off on purpose. That guy honks at your flashes. Like, yeah. You understand why he's doing it. Right. I can't for the life of me figure out what was this guy's problem. Those are the guys that'll like shoot you completely at random and you won't even know why. I know. Those, those guys are the reasons I'm not for lax gun laws. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep it like restricted. Like me having a gun does, at the same time does not help. Because he was so mad. I'm sure if he had a gun in his glove box, he probably would have shot at me. Yeah, exactly. What about you? What about you? Do you want any road rage stories? Um, Torn's not much of a driver. I get a little bit. Other cars sometimes. Yeah. What What is it that that really gets under your gets under your skin? What, you know, what I really hate do? it when people don't signal. Yeah. Even oh, yeah? even on my on my bike as well. That makes sense because on your bike, if they don't signal, you could get killed. Well, true. But even even like on the highway, if someone just comes into my lane without signaling, I'm like. It's just, How hard it was, is it? Wait, was that Torn? Was that Torn being angry? That was my wrath. Torn wrath Atkinson not shook only, his head and went. Oh. Yeah. Not only is it common courtesy, but it's also just a good habit to get into. If I had a frivolous genie of unlimited wishes, okay, fr- fr- frivolous. One genie. of my wishes would be that if a person who is trying to turn won't physically be able to turn until he puts his turn signal on. Oh, like worldwide. Yeah. So God yeah. forsake your your clicker is broken. <laughs> you can only turn right. You can only go one direction, constantly turning in the same direction. I have this concept that I call karma with mm. a C. Car, oh, car, oh, get, oh, it. get it. Huh? TM, I just TM'd it. I own right. it. No, too late. Already done. I said TM here's, first. Here's my deal. A lot of people, when they drive, they think of driving as a competition against other drivers. Right. right? right. I'm going to get there before you. That's, that's when you go to pass somebody on the left and then they speed up. Yeah, and then they speed up. Exactly. You're not getting ahead of me um, to this red light. <laughs> yeah. That whole mindset doesn't do anything. But if you think of it, it is a competition, but it's a competition against time and safety and you're all in the same team. Right. right. So once you think of it that way yep. and you go, listen, if I let this fast guy go ahead of me, he's going to stop bugging me. He's going to clear the way ahead of me. I can. And that means if, and as long as I do that, I can hope that other people will let me go ahead of them when I'm faster than them. And we all work together and everybody gets there on time when they want to go. And nobody gets mad because we're all just trying to get there on time. And that's what karma is all about, man. Karma with a C. Wow, that's, karma a, with a that's C. the most. Now hippie. who's the hippie? Yeah, I was about to say that's the most hippie thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> Uh, as stress expert Dr. John Larson points out, drivers tend to put themselves in a stress bind by constantly trying to beat the clock on their trips rather than enjoying the journey. When we do this, everything that interferes with our self-imposed time goals 
becomes mm-hmm. an object of frustration and potentially rage. Uh, a great line I heard from a guy in front of me uh, that I've really tried to use when I'm impatient. Uh, he was in front of me at uh, Save on Foods when I was buying s- some groceries. Mm-hmm. And I guess the girl at uh, Ring Things Through it had some technical problems. And when he finally got up, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, but the last customer and it took so long. And he said, eh, I don't got any overdue library books. And I just went, yeah, what do I care about how long it takes me to get through this damn line? It's keeping and you it's, from writing your uh, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning novel. Yeah. No, man, I'm <laughs> writing that in my head. <laughs> I could do that in the line, man. You could, you could have received the Nobel Prize, but you spent too much time in line at the Safeway. I like to stay in my car and drive because then I can pick my nose and nobody will see it. I see it, Torn. What? I see it. <laughs> but I approve. Any other, shall we move on to the next? How about how good it feels sometimes to just let that anger out? Catharsis? Oh, uh-huh. catharsis. That would be a good word for that. I wish that we were lived in a Mad Max world where we all had like snow plows on the front of our cars and we could just ram each other. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody was really taking you off, they could just like send them into the ditch. So catharsis, from the Greek meaning purging, cleansing. It's the time-honored concept that the unbridled expression of aggression and anger, say punching a pillow or using a plastic bat to swat away uh, anger, is a healthy way to dissipate aggression. Or primal scream therapy. Uh, Myth. It's a myth? It's a myth. Oh. Research has found repeatedly that the expression of anger without constructive problem-solving to address the source of the anger only drives anger and aggression levels higher. Huh? In one survey, fully 66% of undergraduates agreed that expressing pent-up anger is an effective means of reducing one's risk for aggression. Uh, this belief dates back more than 2,000 years to the Greek philosopher Aristotle. Studies revealed that uh, encouraging the expression of anger directly toward another person or indirectly, such as toward an object, actually turns up the heat on aggression. Uh, in one study, people who pounded nails after someone insulted them were more rather than less critical of that person afterward. And playing aggressive sports like football, which are presumed presumed to promote catharsis, boosts aggression. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Is that the right term? Sure, we can say that. Yeah, the goose is getting his gander. Uh, Getting angry doesn't let off steam. It merely fans the flames of our anger. Mm. And expressing anger is helpful only when it's accompanied by a constructive problem-solving designed to address the source. What constitutes constructive problem-solving? We will never know. He died before he finished that part of the uh, write-up. But have you heard about destructotherapy? Destructotherapy? Yeah. No. Does this involve blowing things up? People in the town of Castellon, or Castellon, I'm not sure, Spain, practiced destructotherapy to relieve office stress. Men and women destroyed junked cars and household items with sledgehammers to the beat of a rock band playing in the background. This therapy... <laughs> yeah, quotes. ...may have been inspired by the film Office Space. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. PC that load scene with letter. the copying machine, of course. That is the baseball bat. one of the best scenes in that movie. Yeah, there's so many good scenes in that movie, but yeah. that is really great, yeah. That's one that's, that's wrathful. Uh, I could see that one being cathartic, though. Like, but, but according to the, what we just said right before this, is that it doesn't work. apparently it has the exact opposite effect. Just makes them more angry. Yeah, so what happens, they, the, these office staff go out and smash this car, and then they go back inside and are punching each other in the face. And and they're just like... Kicking each other in the, in the shin. Maybe you do it right before you go home, and they just smack their other significant others around. Yeah, and then it's done, then it's kept out of the office. Yeah, so it's exactly. Fine. Oh exactly. yeah, as long as it's not in the office. Yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, that's yeah. why they do it right after work. Yeah, yeah, not before. Precisely. No, exactly. And that leads us to going postal. Going postal. We've talked about the postal video games. Yeah. Before. It's funny that there was it was such a rash of postal outlet shootings in such a short period of time. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> 
Well, not necessarily funny. Ha ha. <laughs> I, I can't even remember the last time I heard of uh, somebody going to an employee going into a post office and gunning everybody down. Like, Well, the man who inspired the term going postal was Patrick Henry Sherrill in 1986, right. who was enraged at the prospect of being fired from his job. He wasn't even fired. He was just had a conversation with his uh, superiors. A warning. Hid a couple of guns in his pouch when he arrived to work, killing 14 employees and wounding six others before taking his own life at the Edmond, Oklahoma post office. There was a bunch right on the heels of that. There were a number of other like copycat postal killings. Tell me more. Well, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I remember... Citation being, needed. You guys grew up in the 80s. You don't remember, like, it seemed every six months for a couple of years, there was somebody else getting shot at a post office. It was there. always being reported. It's just like those. there, there was a rash of uh, Columbine school shootings, or copycat school shootings, you know? Those little kids showing up with guns and shooting their bullies at school and stuff like that. There were like five of them. And right, but I, I only know of the one actual post office worker. So I'm we, not saying there weren't any, but I don't know. There actually is a going postal page on Wikipedia, which lists uh, Edmonds, Oklahoma in 1986, Ridgewood, mm. New Jersey, 91, Royal Oak, Michigan, 91, Double Event in 1993, Goleta, California, 2006, Baker City, oh, so Oregon, 2006, Henning, Tennessee, 2010. Oh, 2010. All so, in uh, the United States of America. Strange. So what is it about the post office that drives people crazy? Oh, I think this particular guy that I had the information on was just genuinely mentally wrathful wrathful yeah he was a relief carrier so he's a relief carrier means he would work routes on different days you know he'd basically yeah you're filling for people who are sick or whatnot so so like a substitute teacher but for delivering packages yeah he made a lot of errors and frequently delivered mail late he was reprimanded by two supervisors in the glassed in office on the afternoon before the killings, he approached a female clerk who had been kind to him, whereas most people ignored or hassled him. He asked her if she was coming to work the next day. She replied, of course. He told her, stay home. Did that, she? That, that, may, that may connote premeditation. I'm no lawyer, but I'm going on a limb on this I'm not one. sure if she did. That's, uh, yeah. So when he came in, he began with uh, one of the two supervisors who had spoken to him. Uh, ironically, for the first time ever, the other supervisor had overslept, was an hour late. By way, uh, so when she arrived to work, it, the shootings were already underway. That is literally dodging a bullet. <laughs> and then, uh, when you're ready, you won't have to. And then he walked around through the building, shooting anything and everything in sight. The sounds of gunfire, screams, and moaning filled the air as victims fell in the very place they were working in moments earlier. Other employees were scrambling over one another to escape the bullets that sprayed from Pat's guns. As he walked through the building, uh, Pat closed and locked doors behind him, ensuring that no one would escape his deadly mission. He only stopped temporarily to reload his weapons before resuming the shooting. It took approximately 15 minutes and 50 rounds of ammunition for Pat to purge himself of his anger, at which point he turned the gun on himself. That's that inwardly directed wrath. That we were just talking about earlier. Yeah, shooting the face therapy. He's a sinner. Yeah, he's not angry anymore. Cured himself of that right quick. It's a bullet therapy. So what are the theories? What is it about the post office that makes these dudes go mental? Never worked in a post office myself. I'm gonna go there's with, all that mail. I'm going to go with monotony. Yeah. I'm going to go with you're doing this like repetitive action, right? You're doing the same thing every day. Like these carriers come in, they sort their mail, and then especially when you have a regular route, you're going to the same houses, the same businesses, the same everything every day over and over and over and over again. I don't think that's it because my, my post office, uh, my mail carrier that I see every uh, workday is just the most jovial and happy lady 
I ever, I've ever known. Well, I'm not suggesting that these uh, you know post office shooters aren't the exception rather than the rule. Right. I'm not suggesting that they're all ticking time bombs just ready to gun everybody down in their wake. <laughs> right. I'm suggesting that there you're not is obviously suggesting that all mail carriers are uh, homicidal maniac. But there's I mean when you're talking about something like eight incidents in the span of 20 years, you know, I mean. There's got to be something about the post office that is inspiring this kind of actions, right? I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah, I think probably during the 80s, actually, I found a better list of uh, postal killings. And yeah, there was actually one the day before day before Patrick Sherrill uh, did his uh, 14 killings. Clearly, it's just the supervisors who are coming down on these poor... Bad management is what it seems to be <laughs> like. And you look, there's a bunch in the in the mid to late 80s, and I don't have any problem believing that the managers at post offices generally can be total dicks who treat their employees like crap. And combine that with lax gun laws and an entitled population... And you've got a pretty good recipe for coming in and shooting your boss. Well, I actually used to work at Canada Post. Oh, really? It was the very first job that I had when I graduated university. I got a job in the payroll department at Canada Post. Mm -hmm. So you would get a stack of files. You would manage the payroll for a number of employees. It was the same employees every time. Like the same clerk prepared the same paychecks every two weeks. So you would actually have the person's file and you'd have all their sick days. You would know all their, mm-hmm. how many vacations they took, like all their. You saw the inner workings of the employee's minds. I, absolutely. And I came across this one file and, and they, you were encouraged that if you found something that looked like there was a clerical error, like somebody had, you know, added a zero to the number of uh, vacation days or looked like there was a mistake, you were encouraged to look back through the whole thing and make sure that all the numbers were carried forward properly. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So I came across this one file and I thought to myself, oh, this has got to be wrong. These numbers can't be right. So I started, you know, going backwards and backwards and backwards. And I found out that all the numbers were in fact correct. And what I had on my hands was an employee who had been working for the post office for 27 years. They had started when they were 17 years old. Uh They had never taken a vacation day, never taken a sick day in 27 years. Hmm. And in fact, when delving a little deeper that they had never changed jobs, and they, were, they weren't even a carrier. They were in the sorting department. And you went down into the sorting department, and it was a robot. <laughs> I actually thought to myself, I got to go down to the main branch and actually find this person, because mm-hmm. I'm curious about somebody <laughs> who works in mail sorting for 27 straight years without a single day vacation or a single day sick taken. Yeah. Was it Large Marge? Tell them Large Marge sent you. <laughs> Did you actually go down and see? No. no. Oh, come on. No payoff for that story. (laughs) No, I did not go into the bowels. You were too scared. I got a little scared. I got a little intimidated. (laughs) I I thought maybe it was like the the god of postal carriers who, you know, was living out his unworshipped days as a sorter, immortal, timeless, ageless, impossible to get bored. (laughs) You know what my theory was? I'll tell you what my theory was. Okay. Like, you know how in in government offices and agencies and whatnot, you know, they, they... they have kind of a quota of people who, let's say, are of special needs. Mm-hmm. That was my theory. That it oh, was that somebody... he didn't exist and just... No, no, that, that this is a person who had uh, special needs. Like, well, the, the term mentally handicapped is no longer PC. But that was, I was thinking, that they were like a, somebody with Down syndrome or something. Mm-hmm. They didn't mind coming in and doing the same thing all day, every right. day. And the road That's what they needed. The, that's mm-hmm. what they needed. They needed that structure and whatnot. And so, like, the thought of taking vacation or sick time was anathema to them. I think fake job, person doesn't exist, money is funneled <laughs> elsewhere. 
That's that's where I that's where I would. Uh, I went straight to robot. And uh, Torrent thinks robot. Yeah, there you go. This is a snapshot. So if you work at Canada right Post there. and have yeah. access to this information these days, uh, mm-hmm. please uh, track that person down and tell us what the answer is, because yeah. Kevin can't. Well, who knows? Maybe they still work there. I mean, that was 1995. 15 years later. Uh, yeah, they could still be there. They'd be 59. They wouldn't be retirement age yet. Right on. I got something for history. All right, lay it on us. Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. Love that book. I love that movie. Of course, is a wool of uh, work. Which of, one? A the, work of the Caviezel one. Which one's the Caviezel one? The one starring Caviezel. Who's Caviezel? Jim Caviezel. Who's Jim Caviezel? He's an actor. <laughs> you know, you saw him in the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> oh, that guy. You know the remake that they did like five years ago. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that's the one. I don't know. Yeah. I don't so, know if the other one is probably what the problem is. So Alexander. There's a bunch of them, but some of them are black and white. Like in V for Vendetta, he's a fan of the original. Count of Monte Cristo, the really old one, and he watches it several times. Uh, we'll talk about that in the comic section. Mm-hmm. Alexander Dumas, the author of said story, has indicated himself uh, that he had the idea for the revenge in the Count of Monte Cristo from a story which he found in a book compiled by a French police archivist in 1838. Um, it related the tale of a shoemaker named Pierre Picaud, that's French, uh, engaged <laughs> to marry a rich woman. But three jealous friends falsely accused him of being a spy for England. He was imprisoned in the Fenestrelle Fortress for seven years, not even learning why until his second year there. During his imprisonment, he befriended a wealthy Italian priest who was being held there. And when a year later the priest lay dying, the priest bequeathed to Picot a treasure he had hidden in Milan, which I am too sexy for. Uh, when Picode ha- was released after the fall of the imperial government in 1814, he took possession of the treasure, returned under another name to Paris, and spent ten years plotting revenge against his former friends. Wow. Would you like to know how that went? Yeah, let's yeah. hear it. He murdered one guy. And this is a true story. This actually This happened. is a true story, yeah. Poisoned the second guy. I'm not sure how he murdered the first one. Let's say he stabbed Sure. Yeah. Because it wasn't poisoned otherwise. You're talking, 18, poison you're talking 1814, so you know, not everybody and their dog has a musket at this stage of the game, probably. Picode's former fiancé had two years after his disappearance married his former friend Lupion, who was one of those guys, uh, who became the subject of his most brutal revenge. This is like a Greek tragedy. This is, seriously, it's a uh, freaking Oedipus. It's like a Greek awesome D. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Picode tricked Lupian's daughter into marrying a criminal whom he then had arrested, and Lupian's daughter promptly died of shock. What? Wow. Not she sure was, how that works. She's pretty fragile. Yeah, I was about to say. Picode then burned down Lupian's restaurant, leaving him impoverished. Next, he either manipulated Lupian's son into stealing some gold jewelry or framed him for committing the crime. The boy was sent to jail, and then finally... Picode stabbed Lupion to death. It's like, after all that, I'm just going to stab him. Well, he just wanted to ruin him yeah, completely I so. and have, it, have his life ruined. I'm sure the scene was eyes. very dramatic. It's, you want to know who killed your son? And I wave my naughty parts in your auntie's face. <laughs> <laughs> it was me. Tears away the mask. And now I stab you, I stab you, I stab you. Well, that, that seems less like an inspiration for the Count of Monte Cristo and an actual retelling <laughs> of the Count of Monte Cristo. Except it was a pre-telling. Yeah. No, that's uh, – sorry, I had it backwards. The Count of Monte Cristo isn't a inspired by this guy's life. It's an actual retelling of this guy's yeah, life. Yeah, pretty much. Change the names, the yeah. dates. 
filed out the serial numbers from the... uh, (laughs) Just wrote it down. Way to go, Alexander Dumas. I thought you were awesome and creative. Instead, you're like a journalist. You just read a police archive. A police archive report (laughs) and wrote it down in prose. Punched it up a bit. (laughs) Stabbed it up a bit. In the news, <laughs> formerly news, June 2005, Shanghai. Shanghai gamer Chu Chengwei killed Legends of Mirror 3 player Zhu Kaoyuan when he discovered he had sold a dragon saber he had loaned. So wait, hold on a sec. So one nerd lends another nerd a sword. Yeah, and he sells, in a game. And then, in a game, he loans. Oh, him a sword. it's not in the real world. In no, the game, yeah, it's yeah. a virtual yeah. sword. Virtual sword. He lends him a virtual sword, and then he sells said virtual sword. But then in real life, the gamer goes over to the other nerd. The one nerd goes over to the other nerd's house and murders him. Stabs him, no less. Oh, with a dragon sword replica? No, no, just, oh. just a knife. Uh, Mr. Chung Wei only got the powerful virtual weapon shortly before it was sold for 7,200 yuan, which I think is about $800. Okay. For the attack, Mr. Chung Wei told police about the theft, who said the weapon was not real property. Although Mr. Kao Yuan said he would hand over the money for the sale of the sword, Mr. Chung Wei lost patience and attacked him in real life. The China Daily said Mr. Chao Yuan was stabbed with great force. In the left chest and killed. Wow. Mr. Chung Wei is currently serving a life sentence, which could be suspended to 15 years for good behavior. Just did a quick Google. It's actually uh, 1,080 U.S. dollars. 
Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It might have been 800 Euro. at the time. It said 400 uh, pounds or something like that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, right. It was five years ago. It could have been different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that is definitely wrath in action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said a mouthful. <laughs> you, you hear about these things about somebody, somebody's virtual avatar having sex with somebody else's <laughs> virtual avatar and then getting a real-life divorce, right? Yeah. Joe, you're the biggest gamer at the table. Mm-hmm. How prevalent do you think this crossover is that people can't separate their game life and their their virtual life, their real life? Boy, I don't know. Like, I don't really have any problem with it. Like I, yeah. I really, have, I try to actually avoid online interactions, friendships. Like I, I keep them kind of separate. Like they're not. I don't really think of them as friends. I need some other word for it. You know? Yeah, not acquaintances. Bots. I, acquaintance might be a better uh, one, a, right? A, a, a game acquaintances. Game acquaintance <laughs> or something yeah. or internet acquaintance. I don't know. Yeah. That's E-buddies. probably from me having, you know, 15 years of internet experience, right? I'm sure yeah. I didn't do that at the beginning and maybe became attached to people thinking, I have lots of friends and they're not really your friends. They're just people online. And I think a lot of people probably don't have that or don't uh, differentiate between actual friends and online friends, mm-hmm. especially people who don't think they have many real friends. Mm-hmm. Dr. Bob would be better to talk to about this uh, as a psychiatrist. Well, I just um, thought you might have something anecdotal to add. None of my online friends have gone mental. Uh, I do but deal you may with... have heard of somebody who got, like, got stalked by somebody who they met well, online or something. I do deal with some people on, uh, on the forums for some of the games I do websites for, and a lot of them can get really upset about in-game stuff. Uh, and take it out into, and turn it into like personal attacks, which have nothing to do with what's actually happened. I don't know. They're just kind of angry people who don't have a sense of scale. I I, I can't even wrap my mind around it. I can't even wrap my mind. Around it. It'd be like yeah. me playing. You've never had a dragon sword before. You don't know what it's like. <laughs> you know what it's like to lose it. Hey, it's better to have uh, loved the dragon sword and lost it than to have never had a dragon sword at all. True, True that. Yeah. yeah. Although Words to live by. If somebody had say somebody had say logged on to my World of Warcraft character, like my main character that I kind of concentrate your real on. one that you like. Well, I've got a bunch, right? But you kind of tend to concentrate on one that I I, let, I try and get him you to really accomplish groom, things. Really like groom him. You can do you can do. We talked about achievements like that. You know, greedy and needy achievements and mm-hmm, stuff yeah. like that. He's the only one that I actually kind of collect achievements with, right? So he's the one that I try to keep well geared and do most of my stuff with. Mm-hmm. If somebody were to say log on and like wipe all the stuff out, I'd be pretty upset right because that represents a big investment of my time right but at the same time stab them with a dragon i don't i don't get that kind of angry really yeah you're not that hot under the collar no i'm i'm actually really easy to annoy but i'm kind of difficult to anger like i can my annoyance switch can go off pretty quick (laughs) i I have to admit that but it doesn't really escalate from there very easily into any kind of losing it anger now that we got all right pop culture i love it there's tons to talk about pop culture comics the hulk how yeah. Yeah, yeah, Hulk is the strongest one there is, especially yeah. when he's angry. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. I, he I loves like the Rage of Hulk. I would like to see someday Keith Giffen do a comic about the Hulk uh, in anger management class. <laughs> that would be something that he would do. Well, there have been a couple of different instances of the Hulk where he's kind of had his anger under control. Like there's the, the Gray Hulk, Mr. Fix-It uh, mm-hmm. era where uh, Todd McFarlane was drawing and yeah, Peter David that. was writing. Really good stuff. Yeah, he had and a really bad haircut though. He did. He had he that had crazy Beatles. Mo, Mo from the Three Stooges bowl cut. Yeah. But really well written and at the time Todd McFarlane was this up and coming artist. Now there's the Red Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, but he's on like a whole like rage planet or something, isn't he? No, no, no. That's no. a different guy. No, you're thinking of Scar, son of Hulk. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Do you want to know the terrible secret of the Red Hulk? Uh, you know, we shouldn't just, spoil it. I just found out. Oh, I don't know who it is. Who is it? Uh, we might edit this out, though. Spoiler alert. Okay, here's a, this is uh, a big spoiler. If you're going to read this at all, you shouldn't listen. Because this is and actually going on. you probably shouldn't read it because what I read of it sounds terrible. So uh, this is going yeah. on in the Hulk series right now. Yeah, in yeah. the comic series. Okay, the Green, the Green Hulk disappeared. This Red Hulk showed up, was smarter and eviler, and, and was apparently somebody we know. And then there's been a, a big secret. secret. It's who the Red Hulk is. Okay, who is it? It's General Thunderbolt Ross. Oh, I should have known. Oh, that makes perfect sense. It does. Yeah, yeah. okay. So he's the guy who's been chasing the Hulk the whole time. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. And somehow he got turned into the Hulk. Explains why he's such a kick-ass fighter and knowledgeable and all that other stuff, yeah. Yeah, okay. okay that's I, not, I don't think that's terrible. I don't even know why I didn't well, guess that. Well, I was that. just reading about how it all happened and everything oh, went down. Oh, how it happened might be terrible. Well, just everything about it as far as I Tell us, just I not f- something I would want to read. I've read a few uh, of the few of the Red Hulk things, but uh, didn't really love them that much. And there's a Red She-Hulk too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I saw they added that. I didn't know what was going on. Either. They, it just seems like a gimmick, doesn't yeah. it? Seems a little like it's, it's, it's like, some, they it's like when they introduced the Captain Marvel family. You know, yeah, Ms. Yeah. Mary Marvel and and Hoppy Marvel, Hoppy Boy the Marvel Bunny, and Crypto the Super Dog and. Super girl and That's super Superman. boy and yeah. and then there's the Punisher. Super baby. Oh yeah. Is he Full angry? I guess he's angry. No, it's he's, about, he's it's all about getting revenge for the murder revenge. of his family. Yeah. He should just yeah. let it go. That's pure wrath. Dude, just get another family. It's not like they cost very much. <laughs> Certainly not he, as much as all those bullets he spot. He was all about he was all about his achievements and uh, how much time and energy he invested in it as well. He's just <laughs> like an Asian game he's like an Asian gamer. That's right. Oh man. Yeah. He was I spent like, all this time training on how to kill people. Now I got to kill people. Yeah. I'm going to flex that muscle. Uh, how about uh, Homer Simpson? Speaking of Rage Hall. Oh, that he's always strangling his child. Why, you little? I don't know if that qualifies as wrath. It's though. pretty. Rec- he's choking his son. It's disciplinarian. <laughs> <laughs> you should never have children. Yeah, don't. <laughs> discipline. Do never breed, please. <laughs> I'm not planning on it. Okay, good. I'm sure my boys don't swim at this stage of the game. What about V for Vendetta, the comic book and the movie? Certainly, vengeance. I don't think I don't see him as being all that wrathful. Like his calm and collected vengeance. He's so it's calm. Vendetta is in the title of the I comic. Know. It's a, but it's almost logical the way he goes about it. You know, like he's so methodical and so thoughtful. He doesn't have tantrums. Did you? Guys yeah, there's realize? no tantrums. There's no wrath. Did you guys realize that the first V for Vendetta comic series actually was canceled before it was finished? No. That it was originally published in a comic se- uh, um, magazine called Warrior Magazine, and Warrior went out of business before they oh. ever finished the original storyline. And it wasn't until DC restarted the series hmm. and colorized it because it had originally been all black and white. Right. Okay. Uh, and uh, um, David Lloyd, who is the artist on it, actually, he, he's kind of, I would have drawn it differently had I known it was ever going to be turned into color. Right. And uh, yeah, they colorized it and like paid Alan Moore to finish the series. And that's hmm. how it originally got finished. Hmm. But if not for DC picking it up, it would have been an incompleted story. I do love it, but I'm not a big fan of the art in it. So, I, and I can see what he means by that. that yeah, I would have well, his blacks are deeper, right. and you know, I mean, he wouldn't have you know covered so much the frame and all the rest of that stuff. That's great, and, yeah. and I do love the movie. I know a lot of people poo pooed it, but uh, who are big fans I of of the comic? But love I love the movie. That movie. Yeah, I just watched it again last week. I can't say enough good things about it. What did you feel about the Punisher movies? Uh, well, the Dolph Lundgren one was a uh, abomination. The one from like 1987 or whatever year it was. Don't get the Hulk's enemy mixed into this. The abomination. <laughs> That's <laughs> now, there's topic. another rage. It was, it, was an, it was an abortion. Okay, and, you can say that. I'll let that one go. All right, Are we going to do that as a topic, by the way? <laughs> yes, please. Oh, no kidding. 
Write that one down. But I actually, the Thomas Jane one I quite liked. Thomas Jane, that's the guy from Rome? I don't watch Rome. I don't know if he's in Rome or not. Okay. He he played the Punisher, and Rebecca Romaine lived down the hall from him, and he got it on with her. And he had a bunch of computer nerds next door who all, like, helped him out in his misadventures. And John Travolta was the bad guy, and he dragged him behind a limo and killed him. I've seen one of the new movies, and I think that's the one I saw. The other one was uh, with uh, Ray, um, Ray, what's his name? And it was called Punisher War Journal. I don't Ray, think I've Ray seen. Winstone, and he was, uh, uh, he wore like the big badass body armor, whereas the Thomas Jane just kind of wore the t-shirt. Yeah, I don't think. And the bad guy was the Russian, the, the big thug that comes to kill the Punisher in the Thomas Jane one is the Russian. It's also confusing. Big, indestructible, badass Russian character. None of it's coming back to you? <laughs> no. Uh, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. It was it wasn't bad. Punisher Warzone was yeah George Raymond Stevenson. Ray Stevenson, not Ray Winstone. Not Ray Winstone. George Ray, Raymond Ray Stevenson. Stevenson. He's the guy from Rome. Yeah, that was uh, Punisher Warzone. I thought journal. It was War Journal. No Warzone. That's Punisher Warzone. There was a War Journal as well. Oh what? my god! No, there was a War Journal comic book. The War Journal is the comic book. Warzone is the movie. I guess we better talk about Hulk so we can stop talking about this. Precisely. Didn't we just talk about Hulk? Well, not the movies. Meh. That's what I say about the movies. Uh, Both of them. First one, terrible. Yeah. And it was terrible on a number of different levels. I quite liked when it started and they had that like turning comic page book kind of turning interstitials and stuff. I was like, oh, this could be really interesting. And then they kind of abandoned in this in like the the second half. And so Mm -hmm. like, well, if you're not going to carry it all the way through the movie, why do it at all? Right. And then the animation was so bad. Like the computer generated Hulk was terrible. Like every time he was on screen, it just absolutely took you out of the movie but the second one the animation was way better yeah edward norton was way better i bringing in um the leader at the very end and uh you know tim roth as the abomination i, I really didn't like tim roth i generally don't like tim roth but i really didn't like him in this movie yep uh, i agree see i in, like in tim movie. roth i, I like tim roth I in everything gen- he does yeah normally love tim roth but yeah in that movie i thought he was terrible Oh, no, the bit where he became the super soldier and he's like running across the field and he's like, uh, you know, calling the Hulk out. I loved it. Yeah. It was great. I didn't like generally the ending of that movie at all. What, the, the big, big fight? Like, yeah. The big fight between the two of them? Yes. I don't know. I like the way he got him with the chains and started. Like, I, I still don't think any them. movie has done or even TV show has done the Hulk right. They just haven't. Not even oh, they haven't Bill understood. Do, do I Not think, even Bill Bixby. Do I think the Hulk could have been better? Absolutely. <laughs> but it was certainly an improvement on the first one. And after that first one, it, it was, was a miracle the, the second one ever got made because mm. the first one was so bad, right? But you know who did get the Hulk right is uh, Radical Entertainment when they made the video game uh, The Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction. Oh, yeah, that was that game that you could smash anything that was on the screen. Yeah. It was a big open world. It was kind of like a Hulk Grand Theft Auto game, except instead of stealing cars and driving around, you would steal a car, rip it in half, and then shove your fists into either side of the halves and use them as big <laughs> metal boxing gloves. To then beat the crap nice. out of everything. Nice. Really just fun, open world, smash. Was it cathartic? Crush. It was cathartic. <laughs> nice. Just nice. made you more angry. <laughs> uh, the Wrath of Khan. Oh, it's got wrath right in the title. How could we Khan! have waited? He was very wrathful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was an angry man. Wasn't he faking it, though? Kirk, I mean, and when he d- does his shout? Because oh. he knows he's not trapped. Kirk goes, I thought we were talking, I thought about, you were talking Khan. about Kirk. Yeah, Khan was very wrathful. I was talking about Khan. Okay. Yeah. Certainly. Well-named movie. <laughs> yeah. Kudos. Ap- aptly titled. Wasn't the apathy of Khan. That would have been a whole different scenario. <laughs> Sir, our shields are down. Eh. 
right. The only Star Trek movie that I actually like. Oh. Uh, not the only for me, but yeah, certainly my, my most favorite. Don't you mean your most favoritist? Yeah. What about you, Tori? Right. How, I, do you, how do you fall down on the side of the Rathicon? I've seen it many times. Many, many times. So you hate it. You I love it. it. I love yeah. it. You can't get. You can't tear your eyes off. The uh, it makes like me angry it. that I'm not watching it right now. <laughs> Raging Bull. Oh, there's a great one. Oh, one of my that, favorite movies of all that time. That is a study of wrath because that yeah. guy is nothing but angry. Oh yeah, the best part that exhibits wrath. I mean, there's lots of lots of wrathful moments in that movie, <laughs> but the bit where uh, he's about to go away to training camp and uh, he's uh, he's training to fight Gennaro. The good-looking Italian kid. Gennaro, the, the most generic man of all. <laughs> yeah, the the up-and-comer, the young up-and-comer, and his wife is oh, just I'm like... Oh, I'm between 5'8 and 6'1. She's like making sandwiches, and uh, she says, oh, yeah, he's a good-looking kid. And he gets all upset, and he's like, what do you, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? And he hits he hits yeah. the training camp like super extra mega hard, and then he shows up and just smashes his face, and he keeps him standing. He just keeps smashing him in the face yeah. and breaks his nose in like three places. And uh, he comes. He comes to the edge of the ring. And looks at his wife and goes, "He ain't so pretty now, is he?" <laughs> yeah, that is that some is wrath. pure wrath. And then of course there's the, "Did you fuck my wife? Did you fuck my wife? You're sick fuck. I'm not gonna talk to you about you like this. You're sick fuck. Did you fuck my wife? What kind of question is that? How can you ask um, me that? Now you're reminding me of another great wrathful performance of of his, which Joe was Pesci. De Niro in. Um, Taxi the Driver. Unt- the Untouchables. Ooh, and The Untouchables. The Untouchables with the baseball bat scene. God, they should just call him Robert the Wrath De Niro. Yeah. Like, pretty much everything he did between, like, or maybe just Wrathy De Niro. Wrathy. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Wrath. Yeah. The, the baseball bat. The baseball bat. He's all calm and collected, but you can see the anger yeah. as he's talking, and some of the guys recognize it and start getting uncomfortable. And then there's Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. I'm a clown. I'm, I'm here to amuse you. Yeah. I make you laugh. Here's a, I, uh, I have a special edition, Goodfellas, and I was watching it last week. And never what made it so special? Well, I, I go into the special features. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I watch DVDs, I really love the voiceover commentaries. I mm-hmm. love them. Yeah, I can't too. get enough of them. And uh, I'm just cruising through the special features because I watch the movie dozens of times, and I've never really checked them out. There's a Cops and Crooks voiceover on the special edition I have. I'm like, hmm? Cops and Crooks? Thanks. What does it mean? Let's do this. This is going to be awesome. It's the actual Henry Hill... <laughs> And the uh, like, the U.S. attorney that turned him into an informer. Those are the two people wow. on the commentary. It was awesome. The best yeah. part about it. This fucking never happened. The best. Uh, no, no. It was. <laughs> what the fuck is this shit? No. It Making was the opposite like of that. that. He's like, oh, I remember that day. Oh, yeah. This is exactly how it went down. Oh, yeah. This is perfect. And then <laughs> uh, they get to the part where Joe Pesci gets whacked, right? Yeah. He starts asking him about, you know, uh, what was it like on that day? He's like. That's the only time I ever seen Jimmy cry. He shed a tear for that kid. The the attorney asks him. He says, "Well, how did you feel that day?" And he kind of hums and haws. He's like, uh, "Uh, he's like, what? Tell us how you really felt." He went, "I gotta be honest. I was relieved. I was relieved. I didn't really. I'd known him longer than anybody else in my whole life. But that guy was a sick fuck. Every day <laughs> of my life, I was afraid that I was gonna get go meet him that day, and he was gonna kill me. I was gonna be the one guy he whacked that day. He was a sick fuck that Tommy. I don't know, man." And he starts telling them about all these things that Tommy did. <laughs> wow. Right? And how he like, oh, he stabbed that guy with an ice pick and he shot that guy and he really killed that kid in, in, in that game. And he did this. He's like, Tommy, man, he was a real sick fuck, man. I slept a lot easier once that guy was gone. 
And so it's like painting a completely different picture <laughs> than you get in the movie, right? Yeah. But it's really interesting. If anybody's got the special edition uh, Goodfellas, go listen to that voiceover because I'll tell you, Henry Hill is an interesting character. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. How about American Psycho? Yeah. There's some unbridled wrath in that one. Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? Didn't see it. He's rage personified. I, I think you'd like it because it kind of makes fun of 80s, un- like consumers' 80s. lifestyle. You actually, if you oh, yeah. watch it right now, uh, in the wake of like the financial upheaval that was caused mm-hmm. by Wall Street, it's almost more appropriate now than when it came out in 99. The, the things that it's, that it's tearing down and making fun of is so topical right now. And yet it's like based in the 80s because it was topical then too, right? Mm-hmm. So fully cyclical. Uh, and I think the movie is utterly brilliant. And Christian Bale is unbelievable in the lead role. You know, what some people don't know is it's based on a book by Brett Easton Ellis. Right. And I've read the book mm-hmm. and I've seen the movie. And I think the movie is a 10 out of 10 movie. But the book is unreadable. Oh, wow. Because what it would do is it would set up a killing and then the chapter would end and then it would have an entire chapter standalone dedicated to describing a murder that he was committing in the most painstaking, gruesome detail that you could ever possibly imagine. And I don't think in the reading of that book that I ever read through one of those murder chapters from beginning to end in a single sitting because I would get physically ill. And I think by the end of the book, mm-hmm. I was actually skipping the murder chapters. Right. I was flipping past them. And I know that it's all supposed to be metaphor and allegory or whatever. But the problem was it actually took away from the message. The gruesomeness of these killings actually buried the rest of the message. Whereas the movie, not a single murder happens on screen. Mm. And so the message can rise to the top. Mm -hmm. You know, you can really read what the thing was about. So this is another one of those rare instances, just like The Shining, where the movie is superior to the book. I will not read that book. Do not. Okay. Yeah, great performances all around in there. Christian Bale made his career. Yeah. And then we heard him being a little wrathful in a certain outtake. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, behind yes. the scenes. <laughs> I want you off the fucking set, you prick. I'm sorry. No, don't just be sorry. Think for one fucking second. What the, the fuck are you doing? Are you professional or not? Yes, I am. Do I fucking walk around and rip that? No, shut the fuck up, Bruce. Do I want? No. No. Don't shut me up. Am I going to walk around and rip your fucking lights down in the middle of a scene? Then why the fuck are you walking right through? Ah, da-da-da-da, like this in the background. What the fuck is it with you? What don't you fucking understand? You got any fucking idea about, hey, it's fucking distracting having somebody walking up behind Bryce in the middle of the fucking scene. Give me a fucking answer. I was looking at the light. Oh, good for you. And how was it? I hope it was fucking good because it's useless now, isn't it? Look, gee, you have fucking something to say to this prick? I didn't see it happen. Well, somebody should be fucking watching and keeping an eye on him. Fair enough. All right? I'm trying to fucking do a scene here and I'm going, why the fuck is Shane walking in there? Do you understand my mind is not in the scene if you're doing that? Right, let's go again. Let's not take a fucking minute. Let's go again! And let's not have you fucking walking in! No, what it is is looking at the light and making sure that you I wanna fucking kick your fucking ass! You don't shut up for a second, alright? Yeah, he was mad at that guy. Yeah. 
uh, during Terminator Salvation filming, Christian Bale went complete balls Let's say ape out. Shit. <laughs> ape shit. He went ape shit on the director of photography, who uh, was adjusting a light as he was rehearsing. A super emotional scene. Yeah. Right. Here's what I've heard from insiders: is actually everybody hated that director of photography. The guy was a total dick. He would say things to coworkers like, "You should just fucking die. You're so bad at your job." And so, like nice. everybody on set hated this guy. And didn't give a crap about the actors preparing and would just go do what he wanted. And so he had it coming. So everybody on that set saw this and was like, yeah. I don't know. I, I've been on a lot of movie sets and I've seen a lot of lighting guys adjust a lot of lights while the actors are working in situ. And I've never seen anybody lose their minds like that. I mean, it went, it goes on for like minutes and minutes <laughs> and minutes. It's not like, dude, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Stop moving that light while I'm trying to rehearse. It's, it's like, because that's the, what he should have done. It's because the guy's not reacting right. Yeah. Like, we don't, we don't get to see it, unfortunately. We yeah. can only hear it. But the, the feeling I get is like the guy's like not taking him being upset seriously. Like, he's like, what the fuck? And he's probably like, yeah, whatever. Even if that actually is exactly how it went down, I still think Christian Bale's reaction is excessive. Yeah, it was. Perfect. Let's do it again.